Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. The scripture reading again is from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep gate, the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The word of the Lord. Thanks so much. Well, good morning. Great to see you. Let me introduce myself to those who may not know me. My name is Dave Doms, and I have the privilege of serving Jesus and you by serving on our church council. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I'm a retired pastor uh, from the Matsu Valley and... Uh, this is our home church. We've been here now three years. Hey, I send greetings from our pastor, Pastor Todd. He, uh, man, is this a great guy? 6.43 this morning, he texts me. God bless you, Dave, as you bring him his word today. Give him heaven. <laughs> I love that guy. I just love that guy. All right. So that's my hope today is that today... Uh, we give each other heaven as we look at God's word. Hey, I do want to ask you, if you would, would you pull out this insert from your communicator? We're going to need this today. And um, maybe you don't, didn't, two people didn't pick up the insert, then just, uh, I encourage you, maybe just take out your phone and take a picture of this front page with the first three things and uh, the Lord is my shepherd on it because we're going to need it at the very end of the message. So, well, I want to start off today and just put you in a little, uh, little bit different place. So imagine that yesterday you just got a phone call. You pick up the phone, you say, hi, who is this? You say, hi, this is uh, uh, um, Anchorage School District. We've uh, chosen you. We want a new community member. We're going to build a new high school in Anchorage, and we want you to be one of the community members to help us select our new mascot. So it's you. You got the call. So just take just take about 30 seconds here and think, what would you select as the new mascot of this new high school in Anchorage? Ready? 
All right. What do you got? Muscots. Okay. Wolverines. Puffins. Yep. The Panthers. The Raiders. No, it's the Chiefs, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, I did a little research. It turns out the top three in uh, the nation are the Eagles, followed by the Tigers. I'm sorry, followed by the Bulldogs, and then followed by the Tigers. But here's what's interesting. Jesus Christ chooses a mascot, really a spiritual identity, for you and I. And that spiritual identity is the common sheep. Now, I decided to look this up. I wonder, I wonder how many high schools in the United States have chosen the common sheep as their mascot. And as far as I can tell, the number is exactly zero. Of course, you've got the rams, you've got the bighorns, but nobody chooses the common sheep. But Jesus Christ, that's who he chose for us. And my hope today, as we look at the scripture, and and we look at this, is we're going to see that actually is exactly the spiritual identity we need. So in today's text, we're going to look at, I am the gate. And that next week, Pastor Lou's going to take us deeper into this, where I am the shepherd. So turn in your Bibles, if you hadn't, to chapter 10, and uh, let me set the scene. Because what we're going to find out is, sheep is really not a mascot for us. It is the essence of our spiritual identity. And when we embrace that spiritual identity, we set ourselves up for a place to grow. So our highest calling and our highest place is to follow Jesus as our great shepherd. So I want to put this question before you this morning. As we go through this text, ask yourself, will you embrace your true spiritual identity as one of God's sheep. Will you embrace your true spiritual identity? Because as we dig into this teaching of Jesus this morning, there are some great, you're going to see some great benefits to embracing this identity, embracing this truth. In fact, as we do this, I want to um, leave these two questions kind of hovering in the air as we talk. So here's the first one. How do we benefit, community coming to church, How do we benefit from seeing ourselves as God's sheep? But then to look at the corollary, the inverse of that. What do we miss if we reject the spiritual identity that Jesus has given us? What if we reject being Jesus' sheep? So let me set the scene for you. It is state fair time in the nation of Israel. This is the third festival of Israel where Jesus speaks this. Now, the third festival, we know it starts with the Passover, and then you have the harvest, and then you have the Feast of Tabernacles. We are right dead set in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus' brothers told him, look, look, no one who wants to be known, no one wants to be seen, misses going to the feast. You need to go. So Jesus waits a couple days, and then he shows up right in the middle. And he goes right to the temple, and he begins to teach. And his teaching is so amazing that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, 
they start looking at each other. They go, wait a second. Who is this guy? Where did he get this learning? How did he learn to teach like this? But as he begins to teach, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they begin to get threatened. So they send the temple secret service, the temple guards. They say, go arrest that man. So the temple guards come, go to arrest him, and they come back empty-handed. And the priests and Pharisees say, what's the deal? Why didn't you arrest him? And they say, and this is telling, we've never heard anyone speak like this. We've never heard anyone speak like this. When you and I embrace our identity as Christ's sheep, and we go out into the world, and people wonder, well, why do you follow the great shepherd? Why are you one of his sheep? You can simply answer, because I've never heard anyone speak like that. But then Jesus turns the state fair, the festival, on its ear. Because a man who is blind from birth comes to him. And Jesus takes a little dirt and spits in it, places mud on his eyes, and heals the man who was born blind from birth. Now this is a major sign. And the Pharisees call him forward and say, what happened to you? I said, Jesus, he healed me. And they said, no, we know he couldn't have healed you because he healed you on the Sabbath. They were rule keepers. And they saw healing as doing work on the Sabbath. So they go to this man who's been healed who can now see. Can you imagine that? Your whole life you can't see. And suddenly you can see the beauty of the earth. The majesty of it. And he goes, This guy cannot be from God, the guy who healed you, because he healed on the Sabbath. And so they're so threatened because this happened in the middle of the state fair, in the middle of the feast. They throw the guy out of the temple. His parents are so scared to say, yeah, that's the guy. That's our son. He was born blind. Now he can see. I don't know how exactly, but you can ask him. He's of age. And the guy says, it was Jesus. They say, it can't be Jesus. And they throw him out of the temple. So then what happens is Jesus meets, this happens just before our passage. Jesus meets with the Pharisees, and he says this. Chapter 9, verse 39, just before our our passage. Chapter 9, verse 39, just before chapter 10. He says, and can you imagine him saying this? Straight to their face. For judgment, I have come into this world. You're going to need to make a choice. That's what it means. I've come. It's the day. For judgment, I've come into this world. So that the blind will see. He's not just speaking about the physically blind. He's talking about the physically blind. He's talking about you and I. So that the blind will see, and those who see, those who think they've got it all figured out, will become blind. Now the Pharisees, remember, they're pretty smart. They get exactly what he's saying. This is how they respond. Verse 40. Some, some, so some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? 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 Are we blind too? And listen to what Jesus says. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. And this is going to be very important at the very end of the sermon. When we just admit we've missed him, when we just admit our blindness to all God's doing around us. When we just admit it, when we just say, God, man, I missed it again. That my job was 
to forgive those who've hurt me. I've missed it again. When we're blind, Jesus says, we will not be guilty of sin when we admit it. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Powerful. Now let's move into chapter 10. The text is, uh, you've got to hear for your Bible in chapter 10. It's also on the church um, uh, app. If you just look at, go to the church app, today's message, and uh, you'll have the text right there for you. So we pick up the account in chapter 10, but here's what's important for you and I today in Eagle River. It would be easy, based on how I've set this up, to just roll your eyes and go, those Pharisees, those teachers of the law, what was their problem? The guy is seen. How did they miss it? And if we just keep it extended at arm's length like that, we're going to miss what God may have to do for us inside here. So, the point is, as we look at the scripture, will we let it speak to us? Will we just keep it about the Pharisees and what they missed? Or will we let it be a mirror to us? Will we simply, as we look at the scripture, we go, God, help me see. Show me where I am in this story. What's the message that you have for me today? And I'm just going to sum it up with this question. Because this is going to be the question at the end of verse 10. Will you... Modern folks of the 21st century, will you embrace Jesus as the one door, as the one gate, as the one way to relationship with God? That's what's happening here in 33-80-33 at the State Fair. Jesus is confronting them with this truth. Will you embrace Jesus, him, as the shepherd of God's people? You know, today, we do not, we run. We 21st century Christians, we run from absolutes, don't we? We'd much rather keep it nice and fuzzy and friendly. Right? Fuzzy and friendly is the way to go. But that's not the way to abundant life, Jesus says. That's not the way to hearing the voice of the Lord. That's not the way to be well-led by Christ. Well, you're in good company because neither did the Pharisees like to embrace absolute truths because they couldn't. Their very position they were in at that time in history depended on them not embracing absolute truths. Remember, they were under occupation. There, right next, built next to the temple, if any of you visited Jerusalem was the Roman guardhouse. The Romans peeked over the the wall of the temple to watch what these Jews were doing. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law knew they needed to keep it really fuzzy. No absolutes. Because it was required of them to not declare Christ was God. They had to teach the live in that tension of Caesar is God. Jesus is confronting them with this truth. Will you embrace me as your shepherd? And will you live as his sheep? So, 
One of them, Caiaphas, even realized, wow, we've got a real problem with this Jesus. And this is what he says just in the next chapter. If you wonder if chapter 10 is pretty big in John, listen to this threat that comes in chapter 11, verse 49. One of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. They were living in this fuzzy tension of, we got to keep the Romans happy. We've got to keep going here. But we can't embrace the absolute. So, the question for us is, will you embrace the absolute? Jesus as your shepherd, and will you live as his sheep? Because I'm just going to name off just three of the benefits that you get when you embrace Jesus. And they'll come, you'll see them right in these next ten verses. One, you will have eternal salvation. The threat of death will no longer threaten you. That's a pretty big benefit. That's a pretty big benefit. The threat of death will no longer threaten you. That's what you get when you embrace Jesus. Second, you will hear his voice. Today we're going to talk about a little bit about that. How do we hear the voice of our shepherd? Because in verse 3 he says, My sheep hear my voice. Not, ah, they may hear it now and then. They may get it now and then. It's not, my sheep hear my voice. That's the second promise of this passage. And third, at the very end, Verse 10, you will enter into abundant life. You will discover abundant life. So now, let's look at verse 1 together. Jesus speaking, and you've got the whole audience. What's happening, right? Who his audience is. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter by the sheep pen, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now, they're, gonna get, they're not going to see that they are the thieves and robbers he's talking about. He's not talking about Abraham. He's not talking about Moses. He's not talking about Ezekiel, Isaiah, or the prophets. He's talking about that long history. And as you read through the Old Testament, <coughs> there, are a lo- there is a long history of leaders of the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, who do not teach the truth. And Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. And What he's speaking to them is, they're not going to be able to see it, but I'm speaking to you. You guys are the thieves and the robbers. You have not fed God's people well. He's declaring, as he says this verse, chapter 1, 10, verse 1. You see, I am the fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel, the prophecy of Isaiah, the prophecy of the Psalms. I am the shepherd of the sheep. Then he says... If anyone, if a person tries to go in the sheep pen by some other gate, that person is not the true shepherd. Look at verse 2. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. So he's contrasted the thieves and the robbers with the true shepherd. So he says in here, he says, I am the true shepherd. I'm standing before you. Now, I've had the privilege in life to actually work or go onto two sheep farms in the United States. My cousin, back in the 70s, when I was in middle school, I got to go each summer. He raised sheep, he raised hogs, he raised cattle. And I remember the first time, it was one of my very first days on the farm. 
And we were driving on a tractor, and here's this ram. Here's this sheep ram. You know, he's got the horns. And he's, he's stuck in this barbed wire fence. It's not even a very big barbed wire. It was one of those fences that kind of broken down. You know, there's plenty of gaps. But this sheep had got his head stuck, and he's just backing up. And he's just backing up, and he can't get free, and he doesn't know how to get free. And my cousin jumped off the tractor, and he went over to him, and he just helped the sheep go forward to get loose. And I said, Vic, Vic, why did you have to do that? He said, because this sheep, they get so stubborn. He really, he literally would have had a heart attack trying to get himself out of there. Jesus is speaking to us, and we've got some of that stubbornness in us, don't we? But he is going to free us from that stubbornness by letting us hear his voice. Verse 2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, the second farm that I've lived on, or not lived on, that I've gone to, is my brother-in-law. He lives in central Missouri, and for about 14 years, he has been an organic sheep farmer. He has an organic farm, and I love going on his farm. He's got, he's got all these sheep. But here's the difference. When Dan goes down to the field, the sheep know him. When David goes down to the field, even when David opens the proper gate, the sheep scatter. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this yesterday. I go, Dan, I remember when we went down to the field together, and we were on this trip this summer, and by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you to the church for just praying for us in 2019. My daughter is doing much, much, much better. A year after she'd been in the ICU Christmas 2018 in December 6, 26, 2019, she did her first 12-hour shift back at the hospital as an ICU nurse. I'm so thankful to God and thankful for your prayers. I was, I know you probably read 42 prayer cards that I put in each Sunday of the year, but thank you, thank you for your prayers. Anyway, I was talking to the end, and we were down there, and the sheep just scatter, and I wanted to see the sheep, but they don't know my voice. They don't know me, even though I'm with Dan. So that's exactly what Jesus says happens. The watchman opens the gate for him, because Dan has some, uh, Workmen that work with him sometimes, and they'll open the gate, and they know Dan, and they come running. But they don't know David. And notice what it says, verse 3. Very important. If you forget any other part of this sermon, remember this. He said, and the sheep listen to his voice. In the uh, English Standard Version, it says, my sheep hear my voice. That's the promise. When we embrace Jesus Christ as our shepherd, we begin to hear his voice. Now, there are times when my, my brother-in-law, Dan, has to move the sheep to another field or across the creek, and the sheep hear his voice and follow him. And Jesus says that in verse 4 to the Pharisees, and they're all going to get it because this is an agrarian economy. Verse 4, when he has brought them out of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Here's our job as sheep. Ready for our job? Listen. Listen. Listen for the voice of the Lord. Listen for Jesus. Now, how do you hear the voice of the Lord? Well, one of these, uh, a great teacher that I had in life was Henry Blackaby, and he taught in this thing called experiencing God. We hear God's voice through the Word, through the Bible, through prayer, through situations and circumstances, and through the church. If the only thing you did today as God's sheep 
If you set out from this day forward, say, wow, the Bible says, if I'm his sheep, I will hear my voice. If you just turned up your listening, just turned up your listening, how much richer might your life be to hear the voice of the Lord? Now, I do this, I, I practice, and uh, so you'll find my Bibles <laughs> are filled with times when I feel like the Lord has spoken to me. This one is from, uh, oh, you guys were praying for us. It was August 7th, 2019. We were in at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Illinois. I was on the 11th floor of Mayo Clinic, and it was 8.19 a.m. And I just jotted down what I thought the Lord said to me. Now, what do I do with this? Why don't I go, you know, immediately do things or, like, sell all my car or do stuff? What I do is I write it down, and then I test it. I test it against other scriptures I know. I speak to trusted spiritual friends. And I say, hey, you know, today at 8.19, I think this is what I heard from the Lord. I was trying to listen to him. What do you think? I shared that with my brother, brother, not my brother-in-law. I said, what do you think of that? He says, it makes perfect sense based on what I know you've been going through and experienced. If the only thing you take from this message, as you walk out that door, is the promise, my sheep hear my voice. If you feel lonely, alone, not led well, just take up that promise. Take up that scripture and start to listen to God through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church. All right. Now, here's what's funny about sheep. They also have other ideas. About So Dan tells this hilarious story about trying to lead his sheep. And he's got this creek that runs through his land. And most of the time in Missouri, the creek is dry. And even though the, cre- the sheep have crossed this creek to get from one field to the other, there was a time when it was covered by this much ice. Okay, just this much ice. They could, you know, it was clear water. The, the sheep could see the ground. And they know Dan's voice. So Dan takes him out of one pen, crosses the creek, they take one look at the ice, and they're not crossing. Didn't matter that there was a brand new hay bale they could even see. We're not crossing the creek. That's the challenge of being a sheep. Is sometimes we pause when God says, come. Sometimes we stop when he says, go. Another thing you take from this message is, don't pause. Don't stop. When he speaks to you from the Bible and prayer and circumstances in the church, go. Now, <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Pastor Todd gave me this passage to read because it's in our Vision 2020. And, you know, you preach it and you're getting ready, but then you find out, wow, you know, the church leadership chose this, but God knew I needed to hear it. So last night, I was getting kind of uptight. I'll preach in front of you guys, my home team, right? I'll go, oh man, man, I gotta change this sermon. I gotta change this sermon. There's some things I gotta change in it. So I sat down with this text. I was sitting in my chair. I literally get out my red pen and I hear the voice of the Lord saying, don't change a thing. I was like, what? I said, no, that really can't be, you know, the Lord's voice. So I started to move my pen to change. He said, are you teaching this tomorrow or what? My sheep hear my voice. Are you listening to me? 
And so instead of a whole hour and a half of uptight editing on Saturday night, I decided, whew, I need to cross the creek. I need to follow his voice. And so this is the sermon you're getting. (laughs) All right, verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger's voice. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Now here's what's so odd about this. Jesus is speaking to scripture experts. They have surely read that God the Father presents himself as the shepherd of Israel. In fact, we know that from these two scriptures, at least these two. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isaiah 40, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. The Pharisees know these verses. My guess is, you know them. They know this truth. My guess is, you know this truth. They know that God presents himself as both as the entrance or gate and the shepherd. My guess is, you know this is true. But the Pharisees were blind. My question is, are we? Do we have some temporary blindness? Last night I did in my chair. No, 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 this needs to be changed. No, it doesn't. Put down the pen. Open your eyes. Follow my voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, he says, the author says in chapter 6, because they did not understand what he was telling telling them. If you take up this challenge to embrace your spiritual identity as God's sheep, it's going to be a challenge. You're going to have challenging moments like I had last night, where I need to put down the pen or do something different or forgive someone you don't want to. But he says this, so you will follow him. Look at verse 7. He says, Therefore, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the way in. I am the door for the sheep. He's going to use two metaphors in this passage. One, he's the gate. Two, he's the shepherd. Now, how does that work? It's just kind of like the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, different roles. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am the gate for the sheep. And scripture, Jesus is telling them the scriptures they know so well are being fulfilled at that very moment. And they miss it. And then verse 8. If they didn't miss this the first time, they're getting it again. And all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. That's the Pharisees and priests. They are the robbers. They don't care for the sheep. They're not providing good spiritual food. Is that why it is so difficult for you and I to embrace our identity as sheep? You know, I asked my brother-in-law, tell me about sheep. He said, well, most people don't think they're smart. They're smart. But remember, they're prey. So what is their protection? It's to gather together in a herd, and it is to run together. Here's what my brother said about sheep. 
They just need a leader who will take care of them and take them to good pasture. I said, Dan, that's absolutely brilliant. That's exactly what God says we need. I need a good leader who will take care of me, who will lead me to abundant life. That is, we will be well-fed and we will be well-led. So here's the point of the message. If you want peace as a sheep, it only comes from embracing Jesus as your shepherd. That's the only way. That's the absolute. Whoever identifies Jesus as their shepherd, whoever follows Jesus as their shepherd, will be saved. We'll read that in just the next verse. Will be safe and will be well taken care of. So here's the question. Right now, 26th of January, 2020, how well taken care of do you feel? How well fed do you feel? I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about spiritually. How safe do you feel? Can you go, come and go in your life with assurance and peace? I told you I was amazed that Pastor Todd assigned this passage to me because I am telling you, 2019 has been a spiritually dry desert for me. I hate even admitting this to you, but it has been hard to come to church. Hard to come to church. That's not something I like to admit. I'm glad to be married because when I'm having a hard time, Lori gets us going. And then I come here and we begin to sing the songs and we begin to see each other. We begin to hear the word of God and things change. I need to listen to God and follow his voice. I need to embrace, can I use this word? I need to embrace my sheepdom, that I am a sheep. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Now remember, uh, look at verse 10 now. He says, the thief comes, excuse me, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come life, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you see the promises in verse 9 and 10? Verse 9, I am the gate, whoever is interest through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. So how do we get this? How do we begin? How do we start fresh? Well, the first is, you just begin by admitting to God what is true. Remember what he said about the blind? When the blind admit they're blind, the way to sight has begun. And so what we do is we just simply admit it. God, I have been blind. God, I have been blind. God, I've tried lots of different ways. Living under lots of different mascots and spiritual identities. But none of them have led to the peace and fullness I seek and which I now see you offer. So you just simply say, God, I see you calling me. I see you offering to be my shepherd. I want that deal. Can you just say that in your heart? I love it when Pastor Todd invites, we're about to take communion, and he says, you know, come forward. 
This could be your very first step of saying, I want that deal. You know, maybe you can't say everything you'd like in your wine, but if you can just come forward, if you can just say to Jesus, I want that deal, how would history have been changed if after this, those Pharisees teaching the law, listening to this, had just simply said to Jesus, we want that deal. We are tired of living in this fuzzy world between caught between Romans and enemies on our left and right. We want that deal. How would history have been changed? Well, if you can say, wow, I can see, history really wouldn't change if those Pharisees had taken the deal. But remember what Scripture is? It's a mirror. We hold up to ourselves and we say, where am I in that story? Oh, wait. I need that deal. I need to hear his voice. Jesus begins most relationships in the New Testament with these simple words. Follow me. Is that Kind of click with what a shepherd would say? Follow me. Now, here's what I've discovered. I've said yes to Jesus, but I often slip back to my old mascots. I often slip back to my old mascots. I act like a bear, I growl like a lion, and I mess things up like a gorilla. This past Friday, I was frustrated So I I knew I had to do this customer service call. And I've worked with this company before, and so what happens is you call them, person gets you, you get put on hold, then they tell you, oh, well, we've got to bump you up to the next level of senior, whatever, whatever. Then you call them, get changed, get on hold, and then that person says, oh, we've got to bump you up to the next level of service when they call. And I actually told the very first person, I go, I've done this before, this is what's going to happen. You're going to give me to this person, this person's going to be to this person, and then maybe we're going to get an answer. So I was getting into my gorilla mode. You know, on the phone. I was not acting sheep-like at all, you know? And all of a sudden, my wife, I'm sitting there at the kitchen table, she pats my arm. That's all I needed. I realized I'd assumed my other mascots, which were not life at all. I needed to power down and be a sheep. Here's the great news. Here's the great news. God always gives us a do-over. The essence of Christianity is a do-over. It's a fresh start, a new beginning. He always gives us a do-over. I work with this great group of guys that I'm among, and man, we meet once a week. And often the subject is, I'll just use this figure of speech, well, we've been kind of like gorillas and bears and lions and tigers this week. And we're feeling pretty bad about it. I don't like telling you that story about my wife having to pat my arm. That's not fun. But it's true. But here's the good news. We get a do-over. We forget this so often. We forget that the great shepherd is the God of the do-over. The second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. Remember that great line? On resurrection morning, on Easter, the women go to the tomb... And there's the man dressed in white. And what does he say? This is so telling. Who was it that denied Christ three times? Peter. Who was it the one that said, don't worry, they may all leave you, but I will be with you. Who was the one that denied him three times and ran to Galilee? Peter. But what does the man in white say on Easter morning? On Easter morning. I'll quote it for you. Mark chapter 16, verse 7. But go tell his disciples, 
and Peter. He's going before you to Galilee. You will see him just as he said. Our God is the God of the do-over. So if you're going this morning, wow, man, I, I haven't been hearing from the Lord. I haven't been acting like a sheep. I much more embrace my inner gorilla. You get a do-over. You get a new chance. So here's what I suggest. Will you take this insert out? Could you take it out with me right now? And will you embrace these things? I made this for you this week. So you could put it, I don't know, the dashboard, by the kitchen, inside your Bible, taped to the uh, mirror in the bathroom, and just embrace your spiritual identity. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that with me? I am his sheep. I hear his voice. Now, my dad made a lot of mistakes in parenting. I've made a lot of mistakes in parenting. I need a do-over. But one great thing my dad did for me was this. Very early on, it's one of my very, very, very first memories of being alive. We lived in Canada. I was a little kid. I was probably a second grader, first or second grader. And my dad, at my bed, he would lead us in prayers, and then we would say the 23rd Psalm together. He would teach me the 23rd Psalm. And I'd just like to conclude this sermon today by having us stand and having speak what's true back to God and true about us and say the 23rd Psalm. So if you'll take this out, or if you need to, if you don't have one, just scoot to someone next to you, and let's say it aloud, shall we? This is from the King James Version. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if there's any of these that you don't want, you can just scratch through them. (laughs) My guess is we want every one of these because we want to do over. We want to hear his voice. We want to experience that fullness of life. We want to say goodbye to the gorilla and hello to sheepdom.